0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here uh, doing a solo episode again because Peter is unable to join us, unfortunately. We will have him on, though, again very soon. Of course, uh, Brewers baseball right around the corner. Opening day coming up this week already. Um, that will be on Thursday, April 1st. Brewers squaring off at home at the now-named American family field against the twins most importantly 25 percent of capacity will be able to be filled uh, in light of their COVID-19 restrictions and the guidelines that they've set forth so that'll be about 11 12,000 fans have to figure that they're going to sell out not only for opening day uh, but for a while I mean the the foreseeable future really I'd say the Brewers only have about four full series in April at home this this month so there will be a shortage of tickets you'd have to imagine especially coming off a year with of course no fans with the brewers at the now named american family field will be the first time that we see fans at what is now known as american family field uh, rather than miller park Um, i know it's not a huge development but will be interesting to see uh, maybe some of the ballpark changes that they make haven't heard of any major ones uh, of course except signage which would be um, pretty pretty significant aesthetically I do have to say that the the new american family field sign at the front of the ballpark does look pretty nice especially when it is lit up at night because it does light up in the dark um so i i do have to say that looks pretty nice We'll we'll have to see what the other uh, new features of the ballpark are they haven't really released anything except for they did remodel bernie's chalet so that does look a little bit different looks a little bit more bavarian um or like that german feel of uh, of bernie chalet unfortunately he will not be sliding into a beer mug though uh, like the days of county stadium I am kind of wishing they will bring that back at some point not sure if they will though of course though bernie's iconic slide still there so he just will have a new home still same place just remodeled bernie chalet and showcasing a red roof similar to the American Family Insurance logo have to think that played a significant role in the remodel and they did have a kind of an interesting video series uh, that they had the the racing sausages uh, a slight storyline jeff levering made an appearance sophia Minert. so brewers remodeling bernie chalet not sure of any other significant changes to the ballpark though so they do play this week thursday on april 1st um, and that will be on fox sports wisconsin and wtmj uh, as usual and then they do play on saturday against the twins they have friday off uh, that's typically the rain date for opening day of course don't really have to worry about a rain date at uh, American Family field but Brewers are still maybe forced to do that by a major league baseball. I know sometimes they have that sometimes they don't for opening week but apparently this year they do have that play at 6:10 on Saturday and then 110 p.m. on Sunday April 4th and that is Easter. Uh, the Brewers are also on Telemundo that day so if you don't have uh, cable or access to Fox Sports Wisconsin you can watch the game with their uh, Spanish broadcasting on Telemundo. We will have a a bonus episode coming up previewing opening day though in the next few days so be sure to be on the lookout for that we'll give a little bit more of an in-depth analysis we'll know maybe what the roster is like at that point and preview the nl central because it, it is a really intriguing division Brewers are going to be thrown right into the fire with the NL Central already in April. After that twin series, they play a three-game set in Chicago, um, and that will be at Wrigley Field before leaving to go to St. Louis for the Cardinals home opener April 8th, Thursday through Saturday, three-game set, and then coming back home to play the Cubs again so brewers and that's even not the only time they play the cubs they play the cubs april 23rd to 25th so the brewers are going to be thrown right into the mix in the nl central they do play in san diego Um, in between then they play the marlins who are coming off a breakout year i don't know if they're necessarily as good as their breakout season was but they also will face off against the dodgers at the end of the month and that will be at home Uh, jimmy nelson reunion game jimmy nelson was informed he would make the dodgers opening day roster hopefully he is able to stick he's looked really good in spring training i think almost every brewer fan is rooting for him at this point and he is a member of that loaded dodgers team brewers have a tough april schedule but uh, i think they'll be able to handle it i think they'll come up uh, firing right out of the gates especially with an excellent pitching staff deep bullpen which is what we are going to be talking about today specifically the brewers bullpen excellent and probably the biggest strength of their team i know we said it might have been the starting rotation last week i think the bullpen might even be a little bit better so we are going to take a look at that as we progress later onto the episode no trivia question today uh, but we do have a random player today and that is a former brewers reliever uh pretty well known john axford axford holds the single season saves record for the brewers 2011 1.95 era 46 saves in 73 and two-thirds innings uh, he was excellent that year he emerged as the brewers closer in 2010 after trevor hoffman uh, declined pretty rapidly um, and hoffman was already i think 41 at that point so wasn't too much of a surprise necessarily but it was a surprise that axford was able to latch onto that he has 24 saves in 2010 46 in 2011 and 35 in 2012 um actually i'm not sure he he has to be up there on the all time saves franchise saves leaderboard To be honest i am not sure i will have to check that real quick i guess that can be today's trivia question who is the brewer's all-time saves leader um if you guys want to do that at home just kind of see what you uh, might come up with if you do know it i know it is not axford i do know who it is Um, but if you guys want to use that as today's trivia question just to keep your minds engaged a little bit more john axford actually is second on the all-time franchise saves leaderboard dan plisak getting uh, the, the mark as number one all-time 133 saves for Dan Plesac. of course now of MLB Network he did fill in a little bit on the broadcasting team when Bill Schroeder was out Brewers of course found uh, a new replacement for Bill Schroeder when he is away which will be about 20 games this year we talked about that on last week's episode be sure to check that one out also just want to apologize real quick we were having a little bit of a, an issue with the audio uh last week on the episode so sorry about that uh we Uh, unfortunately audio quality wasn't very good but hopefully we're able to get it back on track i think today's is a little bit better hopefully um, and a little bit easier with one person too Uh, but anyways back to john Axford. had a pretty successful run with the brewers 263 innings 106 saves 3.35 era he did blow that save in the nlds game 5 when the brewers walked it off after with niger morgan and if you they would have lost that game i think that that would have been a huge storyline about how axford who had like a 43 straight game save streak uh, without blowing a save blew the most important game of the season which he did but they the d-backs tied it up on a suicide squeeze if i recall correctly but then that set up the niger morgan walk-off maybe the greatest moment in brewer's history at least brewer's recent history so can't say that i'm too upset about Uh, Axford blowing that save in that 2011 campaign he finished 9th in the Cy Young Award voting 17th in MVP voting so excellent year gained some recognition from from the BBWAA who votes for uh, Cy Young Award and MVP Uh, and of course he didn't win any of the major awards but I do think he will be inducted into the Brewers Wall of Honor Uh, I know that one is more of a that was more of a statistical um criteria that you need to be elected it's not a voting per se so John Axford has met the criteria to be inducted into the Wall of Honor not to be confused with some of the other honors like the Walk of Fame or the um I think there's in downtown I forget what it's called but um Walk of Honor maybe I don't know they're they're all a little bit similar um but this is the one where they have plaques near the team store on the third base side of the ballpark on the outside Uh, so these guys are all um, among the best in brewers franchise history Uh, the criteria are a little bit specific um there are a number of them i won't go through all of them but plate appearances inning pitched, game played um all those three thresholds to get in and then if you won a major award so mvp cy young rookie of the year reliever of a, a, the relie- reliever of the year award and then if you manage a pennant winning team if you have a statue on the plaza at american family field in other words we needed to make sure hank aaron um, got into the wall of honor for the brewers uh, if you're elected to the baseball hall of fame Uh, If you were a primary broadcaster for 20 or more seasons after a playing career or a GM for more than 10 years and reached the postseason. Uh, Also, if you were a recipient of the Ford Seafrick Award at the National Baseball Hall of Fame, you would also become uh, inducted into the Brewers Wall of Honor. So John Axford does meet the criteria. Um, actually 2021 we will see uh, a few new inductees into the wall of honor uh, the wall of honor this year will feature now giovanni gallardo uh, of course longtime brewer starting pitcher and perennial opening day starter Uh, Carlos Gomez who was an excellent center fielder pretty recently and K-Rod Francisco Rodriguez the setup man for John Axford for a few years and then took over as a closer a little bit later they will all be inducted into the wall of honor as will the following year Wes Covington Wes Covington was a Milwaukee Braves outfielder played on the 57 World Series team stepped in I think he was a rookie in 57 uh, swung a hot bat down the stretch and he will be inducted into the wall of honor uh, following the 2021 season not exactly sure why they're deciding to wait for covington and while we're at it we might as well actually there are a few other active players that have met the induction criteria so we'll just go through real quick who those are ryan braun of course uh, is eligible a number of uh, categories that he uh, meets the cat meets the criteria for Josh Hader won reliever of the year a few times uh he also um he also meets will meet the threshold for amount of games pitched so Josh Hader will be inducted into the wall of Honor whenever his career ends hopefully in 10 15 years he's only 27. Jeremy Jeffress, Uh, Will, by virtue of his amount of games pitched, Jonathan Lucroy, because of his amount of playing time with the Brewers, and excellent career overall, Devin Williams, who has pitched all of, what, 35 innings at the big league level, Um, he will be inducted because he won Rookie of the Year last year. It's kind of funny because he could be a one-year wonder. Of course we hope he's not, don't think he will be, but if he is, uh, he will still be inducted onto the Wall of Honor. Uh, could be his claim to fame uh, when he's older, but hopefully not. Hopefully he does go on to have a very successful big league career. And then mvp christian yelich who uh, a lot of things in store for him in the future but he will be regardless inducted onto the wall of honor alongside a lot of those guys and john axford who's today's random player of the day got a little bit on a rabbit trail with that one uh, but thought is interesting also the brewers have the walk of fame and they weren't able to induct anyone nobody met the threshold i think it's 65 percent on the walk of fame nobody met that uh in the voting i think all everyone from the milwaukee chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America they vote on it nobody in there but the Wall of Honor a little bit easier to get on and actually two names that aren't officially there but I think probably will be at some point CeCe Sabathia he doesn't meet the criteria but I think he probably will be inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point and Zach Grinky, I think is likely to say the same two excellent pitchers shorter stints with the Brewers but probably will be there at some point uh and now moving on to some news coming out of phoenix maryville brewer's spring training brewers wrapped up their arizona portion of the spring training schedule actually on sunday they uh, played against the cincinnati reds uh, and they will actually today and tomorrow be in arlington playing at the rangers ballpark um globe life field or park i forget i forget which is their old which is their new one Uh, It was the host of the NLCS and the World Series this year, and the Rangers will host full capacity, so thinking that they're uh, probably doing things a little bit differently down in Texas uh, for the fans and the COVID-19 guidelines restrictions, Uh, I think they're dialing it back a little bit after the opening weekend, so they're doing this for the exhibition games against the Brewers and then their opening series before dialing it back a little bit. Not sure what the logic is in that, but the Rangers choose to do what they're going to do in in terms of COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, Other news coming out of camp, Josh Hader will be used in a traditional closing role. Craig Council announced that. Hader was a little bit excited uh, just to have a little bit more of a, a distinct role this year. Last year he mostly was that traditional closer but developed a little bit as the season went on and I think he's excited for that. He'd prefer that. Uh, I know if I was a reliever in that spot I would probably prefer the same thing it's nice to know what your role is especially being someone of hater stature you kind of earn that respect Jacob Nottingham is also likely to start the season on the injured list he did make his Cactus League debut recently but I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day also he's out of minor league options so Brewers carrying Omar Narvaez Manny Pina nottingham probably won't make the opening day roster even if he is healthy they'd have to cut ties with him and place him on waivers or try to work a trade out my guess is they start him on the injured list and kind of buy time to see if they can make a deal somewhere else don't think they'd fetch much in return but a little bit of value for nottingham a pretty good defensive catcher and got some pop i think they could get a little bit out of him if they do decide to trade him but he probably will initially start the season on the injured list it is also possible that the brewers will choose to place ray black on the injured list black made his debut on thursday in spring training but not sure if he's going to be ready either Uh, black is very hard throwing right-handed pitcher out of options also so if they want to keep him he has to make the roster or stay on the injured list unfortunately he was injured for almost all of last year and a little bit on the year before so black um He kind of has to uh, earn his way onto the team. Not sure if he's going to be able to do that, but hopefully he is. Uh, He's hard-throwing right. He got a lot of upside, I think, even though he is already in his upper 20s ray black could make an impact with the brewers and bobby wall also will start the year on the injured list another relief pitcher another tough break for him he had a torn acl he suffered at the beginning of the 2019 season missed the whole year last year just never really got going then got injured ineffective stayed at the alternate training site he's also out of options i believe so bobby wall starting on the injured list could throw some innings potentially At some point with the brewers in 2021 and then just also a quick refresher dylan file will miss about half the year he had surgery uh, recently and yeah we'll miss half the year although i don't think we will see him at the big league level at all in 2021 even though he is on the 40-man roster currently they also uh, made their latest round of roster cuts including the releases of jordan zimmerman and brad boxberger they did re-sign Jordan Zimmerman subsequently on a minor league deal. He will start at the alternate training site and most likely stay in Nashville then when they do open the AAA campaign. Boxberger hasn't indicated if he will re-sign with the Brewers. They didn't mention that they wanted to keep both of them if they could. Zimmerman didn't really see opportunities elsewhere that were better than his chances in Milwaukee, even though he wouldn't be on the big league roster. Boxberger, I think, might. He could potentially latch on with a rebuilding team that needs an a veteran arm in the bullpen, even though he is a little bit older. I think Boxburger could contribute to other teams better than the Brewers, who have maybe the deepest bullpen in all of baseball. Uh, maybe, say, for the Dodgers or the Yankees or guys with unlimited resources and upper level minor league talent, the Brewers have an extremely deep bullpen. That leads us to the main portion of today's podcast where we are going to discuss the Brewers' bullpen. They've been excellent really for a while now. 2017, they almost made the postseason. Jeremy Jeffers pitched solid down the stretch. Josh Hader uh, made his major league debut that year. Corey Kniebel, uh that was I think when he had his strikeout streak of uh, like 48 games with a strikeout, was the primary closer. He was excellent. Really good bullpen 2017. Uh, even saw guys like Anthony Swarzak step up late in this, down the stretch. 2018 they rode the bullpen into game seven of the nlcs jeremy Jeffers had a 129 era hater reliever of the year corey Knebel, september reliever of the month and probably was in line to win nlcs mvp should the brewers have won that series not to mention joaquin soria dependable veteran arm in the bullpen brandon woodruff who started actually or semi started the game where they pulled wade miley after one batter and uh, he was really good out of the bullpen corbin burns was excellent uh, i feel like the only arm that wasn't very good there was uh xavier cedeno just kind of a random lefty specialist that they had uh, but they had an outstanding bullpen it was really fun down the stretch i think the brewers have probably as good of a bullpen now as they did at that point point. and i mean we aren't even looking in 2018 we're not counting freddie peralta jr guerra who both pitched really well, especially in I think it was Game Four of the NLCS that lasted like 15 innings when they lost on a walk-off from uh was it Bellinger? I honestly can't remember i just remember staying up super late and being really disappointed after they lost that game that was the real momentum shifter in the series because they were up 2-1 and if they win that game 3-1 you just got to win one of the last three and they had one at dodger stadium two at miller park instead after losing that game didn't really get going in game five kershaw kind of shut them down and then game six they took and then game seven they lost five to one unfortunately haven't reached that far in the postseason since then course they fell to the dodgers also in 2020 but that bullpen really brought them there 2019 the bullpen was excellent also 2020 i mean you look at some of the numbers that they posted the highest strikeout per nine ratio i was talking about that briefly uh in our in our new series i was just kind of starting out the bleeding blue and yellow short videos um or video shorts i guess Uh, talked about three bold predictions for the brewers pitching staff so if you haven't checked that out it's just a short one minute video got a lot of um jiffable is that a word jiffable like short videos made into gifs um of brewers pitchers just absolutely shoving uh which if you're not familiar with the term shoving like just pitching super well striking out a lot of hitters insane movement on some of the brewers pitchers pitches Uh, so go check that out it's on our at brewers podcast twitter account and at brewers podcast tiktok account actually Uh, just started that up recently but the brewers had an excellent bullpen last year 11.97 strikeouts per nine and i think like about a 31 percent k rate or something like that it was really high three percent higher than the second highest strikeout rate and a full strikeout per nine higher than the second highest k per nine rate excellent bullpen last year 4.17 era was was decent but not great Uh, but the fielding independent pitching indicated they were probably a little bit better than that record might have indicated the bullpen yeah was excellent last year and i think will be again this year and they primarily return a lot of the same guys as they had last year i mean look at of course the back end of the bullpen i mentioned josh Hader being the closer one of the best relievers in baseball if not maybe the best Uh, haters coming off a little bit of a shaky year 379 era a lot a little bit more home runs than he probably would have liked to or should have Uh, kind of a lot of walks too but it was also a shortened season kind of a strange season uh, only 19 innings, hard to gather, and like especially the walk rate in the ERA is kind of ruined from, what was that game against Pittsburgh? I think that Eric Sogard hit a walk-off home run. He walked like five batters in one inning, so that's going to just balloon this walks per nine rate. So it kind of puts a damper on the whole season, even though he really wasn't too bad. I mean, he started the year like nine straight hitless innings, so to say that he had a bad year after, I mean, that was almost half the year for Hayter, so to say he had a bad year after that. I think is a little bit unfair. It's also his average exit velo was considerably better than previous years, 85.4. So that's a good sign. He usually gives up hard contact when he does allow contact. So good to see that hater. There was maybe a little bit of encouragement there. And his fastball velo in spring training has been up by about one mile an hour from last year, probably due to just the weird shutdown and everything. Awkward throwing progression, don't really know when you're going to need to pitch. So. Hader probably will benefit from that this year and like I said that more steady role as a traditional closer could help him I think Hayter will is will will probably have a a very good year again 2021 I think it's safe to depend on him at the back end of the bullpen and even if for some reason Hayter doesn't produce they've got a lot of really good arms surrounding him in that back end of the bullpen most notably Devin Williams Williams, of course, one rookie of the year, burst onto the scene with his absolutely disgusting changeup. I would not want to hit that. Uh, although I do actually, I kind of would want to stand in and just see how good it is in person. Because I mean, some of the the videos that Pitching Ninja was was tweeting uh, about Devin Williams uh, are just the videos are incredible of his changeup. I mean, the movement he gets, uh, he can command it pretty well. There was a video recently cody bellinger uh it starts like a little bit inside off the plate uh, and it's at about maybe belly button high and it just breaks to his knees in the zone it was absolutely insane and then there is one uh strikeout looking against the white Sox. i think it was Moncada hitting but i could be wrong on that and rob friedman uh the one who runs at pitching ninja on twitter which by the way excellent follow if you like pitching if you like uh, baseball if you like the brewers especially the brewers bullpen and they're just their staff as a whole because he posts them about them a lot because they have such a good pitching staff uh, follow at pitching ninja excellent follow he also has been doing some cool interviews with players recently that i really enjoyed i uh, talked with jimmy nelson actually about his injury uh, and some other things with nelson but he posted a video of devin williams and he called it the k-strut which is basically just him walking off the mound after the strikeout and he called it the best pitch in baseball history. Uh, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but even though he doesn't have like excellent secondary pitches, I mean, he does throw like 97, 98, so uh, I guess not too bad. Uh, but he that changeup is just it's filthy. I mean, he's not like just going to lose feel for that changeup anytime soon. He still has that, and I think as long as he has that, he's going to be good. Maybe not quite as good as last year, Point three three ERA reliever of the year rookie of the year but i do think that williams will still be a very good reliever for the brewers for a number of years beyond williams uh they do brent Suter. Suter is not really a prototypical like lockdown back end of the bullpen reliever he's soft tossing lefty got a good changeup. cuts his fastball pretty well uh, i think he added a slider too actually so we'll see how that is and he sits like 85 86 miles an hour with his fastball he's actually not usually on pitching ninja much like the rest of the staff is uh, but brent Suter had a 0.49 era in 18 and a third innings in 2019 he won nl reliever of the month in september that year 2020 31 and two-thirds innings 3.13 era and he had an excellent strikeout to walk ratio 10.8 k's nine 1.42 walks per nine Uh, so those are both excellent marks for Suter, especially considering that he throws so slowly usually when you throw only 85 86 with your fastball not going to get too many strikeouts i mean i i play college baseball and i throw 85 86 from the left side Uh, of course i'm not as good as brent Suter, but uh it's surprising i mean he has to be doing something right he probably gets excellent movement on his pitches uh to be able to fool major league hitters because i mean if i went and stepped in on a major league mound i would get absolutely rocked uh even throwing 85 86 like brent Suter does uh so suitor clearly doing something right and especially over the last two years where he's had a combined era in the twos uh mid twos with uh with throwing not very hard. Uh, he locates well. He had through a couple really good change ups against the Dodgers recently in a spring training game. So that was encouraging. And maybe the slider will help him kick it up a, another gear, find another gear, I guess, for Suter. Been a little bit prone to the long ball, but I think he still is a very good reliever, very dependable reliever, uh, long term and short term for the Brewers. Also, speaking of change ups, actually with Brent Suter, Josh Hader added a change up over the offseason. Not sure if he's going to use it in Major League games uh, once the regular season starts, but he did use it some in uh, in spring training, and he threw a really nice left-on-left changeup to Corey Seager, left-handed hitter. Of course, Hayter being a left-handed pitcher, it looked really good. Uh, so that could be a difference maker also with Hayter. He's really been a fastball slider guy. I mean, a few years ago, he was a fastball, 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 Guy, pretty much, but incorporated the slider a little more last year. Maybe incorporates that changeup, and I mean, Brewers seem to be really good with their pitchers developing new pitches. I mean, I was mentioning that with suitor slider, Williams changeup. It wasn't a new pitch necessarily, but they helped develop that. Hater's now new newer Hater's newer changeup. Freddie Peralta's slider has looked really good so far, and changeup even has looked decent, uh, and he actually will probably be a member of the rotation. One thing I forgot to announce in the news actually, Freddie Peralta will be in the starting rotation and Josh Lindblom will start the year in the bullpen. So that was a little bit of a surprise. But Freddie Peralta is uh I think going to be a pretty good starter. Uh I, I don't I wouldn't have said that in previous years. He was really just a fastball curveball guy. Added a slider now added a changeup. His pitch count does have a tendency to run a little bit high that could affect him a little bit more in the rotation but if he can go five six solid innings i mean he's got such good stuff that i think that that'll play in the rotation i think it'll be really good Uh, i even said in my bold predictions uh, on that video i was talking about on our twitter and tiktok page that i think freddie peralta will probably or maybe i mean my bold prediction which it is a prediction nonetheless will make the all-star team so potentially paired with Woodruff and Burns, add Freddie Peralta as a good starter in the rotation. Uh, Brewer's got a lot of pitching talent on their hands. They've been really good at developing pitching. Uh, So Peralta could get some innings in the the bullpen, actually, uh, but more likely to be in the rotation. Uh, I think he's going to be really good this year, though, regardless of what role he's in. But another back end of the bullpen, or maybe a little bit more of a middle reliever, I guess, Eric Yardley. Hopefully he doesn't have to step up in the back end of the bullpen. Those guys can stay healthy. Yardley can be an effective middle reliever like he was this year, uh, or this past year in 2020. He pitched in 24 games, only had a strikeout per nine rate of 7.33, but 154 ERA, which is, uh, of course, very good fielding independent pitching might have indicated he was a little bit worse than that result but at the same time submarine pitchers usually get uh get slighted a little bit by fielding independent pitching because they're usually um they usually get a lot of softer contact and FIP doesn't doesn't really compensate for that so uh, i think it's important to look maybe more at his era and he's also had success at every level of the minor leagues Uh, going back to 2013 even when he was pitching in the picos league which is considered to be the lowest level of professional baseball independent league professional baseball in north america that's in new mexico he got signed by the padres out of there actually crazy story and uh, undrafted free agent uh, that's when he was signed took a while to get to the major leagues that's why he is already 30 years old only even though he's only been in the majors for a full year now uh, but eric yardley i think will be at least a a decent middle reliever i don't think it's it's necessarily fair to expect a 1.54 era for eric yardley again in 2021 but i think at least an average middle reliever it's reasonable to expect that justin topa another guy who's older another guy who pitched in independent leagues uh, coming from an unheralded college Uh, he actually was drafted out of uh, long island university brooklyn campus Um, which I have never heard of, to be honest. Um, Not sure if there have been any other major leaguers come out of that place. There were Oh, Larry Doby. He's a pretty good player in the Hall of Fame. Sid Gordon. But that was a long time ago. Uh, So Justin Topa, one of the more notable ones. Topa, I don't know if I'd say he burst onto the scene last year, but he did pitch a pretty good six games, seven and two-thirds innings, uh, no walks, 12 strikeouts. That was very good, and he showcase his excellent sinker and slider combination he's a bigger guy a couple tommy john surgeries in his past but i think that he not even maybe has the potential but has this the stuff currently to be successful pitcher at the major league level i think topa will probably be one of their better relievers in 2021 i am all aboard on the justin topa hype train uh, i think that he will be the brewers biggest breakout reliever in 2021. Very unheralded. Uh, nobody really knows about him outside Milwaukee. Even though Brewer fans, Brewer's Twitter loves Justin Topa. Um, I have been really impressed with what I saw of Topa. He hasn't had a very good spring training. I think his ERA is like fifteen or something. But like an inning, couple innings. So nothing to be concerned about with Topa. I don't. I don't think. Uh, it's possible he starts the year in triple uh, air at the alternate training site just because of some depth things and with the way some of the other relievers have pitched in camp so far but i don't think it'll be long before we see justin topa back in a brewer's uniform drew rasmussen another guy who came up at the same time as topa in september in 2020 uh, he pitched 15 and a third innings didn't have as much success as topa walked a few too many hitters allowed a couple home runs that were costly 5.87 era but good strikeout rate his stuff has looked excellent he was used in more of a hybrid role they had him pitching two three innings at a time and he looked really good in that in that role in spring training i remember watching a game against the padres where he really looked good early on in camp i think that'll translate pretty well to the major league level uh, or in regular season games i should say Uh, drew Rasmussen is uh another two-time tommy john surgery survivor um and he's had a a pretty tough journey even coming uh coming out of oregon state as a initially a a pretty good pitching prospect Uh, i think Rasmussen also will factor into the brewers plans in 2021 and probably will play a pretty significant role get some meaningful innings especially if the brewers do lose some pitchers to injuries or maybe they're a little bit more ineffective jp fireisen is the next guy on the list uh nine and a third innings he pitched in 2020 Five seven nine ERA didn't have a ton of success, but uh, he did strike out Chris Bryan. I remember he was saying he was happy with that. He made his debut at Wrigley Field. He is a Wisconsin native. I think he's from River Falls, which is uh, on the western side of the state near Minnesota, but still not too far from Milwaukee. And he kind of grew up rooting for the Brewers, mostly the Brewers. He had a little bit Twins, but mostly Brewers. Um, Firey has he's yeah looked really good in camp. I think he might break camp with the team as a result. So. That would be another potentially good arm that the brewers would have he's had a lot of success at the minor league level like yardley like topa um, and i think because of that maybe there's a little bit more optimism from the brewers front office with fire i think he'd be a very good option to start in the major league level maybe even have topa start in triple a see if he can figure things out a little bit more at the alternate training site sorry keep messing those up but uh Fire Eisen might be a good option to start especially if he's pitching so well right now Ray Black another guy that I mentioned earlier uh, only pitched three innings last year with the Brewers 16 innings in 2019 hasn't had much success at the major league level 5-5-3 ERA in 42 and a third innings over the past three seasons but he does have that excellent fastball not really much to go with that fastball uh, I think he's just got an okay slider but could get some innings with the Brewers, probably will. I think they'll try to keep him even though he is out of minor league options. Uh, more of a middle reliever though at this point. Angel Perdomo, uh, tall He's kind of inconsistent, walks a little bit, too many uh, hitters. But last year made his major league debut, so that was a big thing. He was signed as a minor league free agent. Uh, he's a 6'7 lefty with yeah horrible command for major league standards, but an electric arm and a very good fastball and slider. So if he can figure out the command even somewhat, I think he'll be a good reliever for the Brewers. Uh, I think that it's possible this could be the breakout year for Angel Perdomo. Uh, One of Fangraph's projection systems actually has him with an ERA in the mid-threes in their projections. Last year, he he struck out at, like, I think it was, like, five hitters in two and two-thirds innings and walked seven or six. Uh, It was, it was too many walks Uh, but perdomo i think is a a very good arm and will probably uh, make his uh, second appearance in the major leagues this year Uh, phil bickford another guy kind of forgot about him to be honest he made his debut didn't go too well and i think got optioned out the next day and didn't pitch again with the brewers last year but he still is on the 40-man roster was a pretty good prospect surprisingly only age 25 right now even though he has been in the minors for a long time was a pretty good brewers prospect for a while but kind of has fizzled out had a number of off the field issues and in his one inning last year he allowed four runs unfortunately so Bigford not having too much success last year in his one inning but it's one inning so i uh, can't really gather anything from that he throws the fastball like 92 93 uh just got i'd say okay stuff can command okay I think he needs to develop more before he becomes a dependable reliever at the major league level. Lindblom, I think, actually uh, could factor in initially as a long reliever or like a 3-4 inning reliever, but I do think after that he probably will move back into the rotation at some point and find some success. I am pretty bullish on Lindblom. We talked about him last week in the starting rotation episode, and I think that he is somebody that probably will be like a solid four starter for the brewers and the brewers need guys like that Uh, like Lynn bloom two years left on his contract and i think he'll be pretty successful i'm not saying he'll be an all-star or really good excellent burns woodruff-esque but i think he'll be a pretty solid pitcher and an important pitcher for the staff as a whole beyond Lynn bloom there's bobby wall i mentioned him earlier I think if he is healthy, he could be at least an average middle reliever, but he does have to stay healthy before that. Eric Lauer might uh, might make a few relief appearances, but more starting depth right now. And he'll start the year at the alternate training site. We talked about him last week as well. Jordan Zimmerman, kind of same goes for him. Uh, Zach Godley was another guy that they signed last year more starting depth also and then a few guys to watch Aaron Ashby has had an excellent camp he's looked really good he also has been featured on Pitching Ninja a number of times actually had a lot of success at the lower levels of the minor leagues probably will start the year actually in AAA was pretty good at the alternate training site last year he's got a really good slider uh, curveball kind of slurve I guess and a decent changeup throws like 93 95 i think and he's been posted eras in the low to mid threes over the past couple of years in the minor leagues he is the ne- nephew of andy ashby if you remember former major league pitcher um, and he was drafted out of a junior college a few years ago ashby's impressed could make a few starts i think more of a reliever probably in 2021 and i would say probably will get called up maybe later in the summer um, and then after Ashby, there's some other arms, some other younger arms. Clayton Andrews, he's a 2 uh, two-way. Actually, he plays left. Uh, he plays center field along with being a left-handed pitcher. Uh, they use him a little bit in spring training, not a ton, but could make his major league debut kind of interesting cuz he's a 5-6 lefty and plays some center field more of a defensive replacement there than anything else can't hit too well but he's got an excellent changeup on the mound uh, even though he does only throw like 90-91 from the left side so he could make a few appearances maybe here or there at the end of the year Zach Brown also uh, pretty good arm Uh, He throws pretty hard, got good stuff, but he had a very bad year in 2019. Uh, At the alternate training site, he was okay, but I think he needs some development at the major league level. That's what Keith Law was saying of The Athletic also. Um, I wouldn't say there's nothing left for him to prove at the minor league level, but he just kind of long-term seems like a reliever, and I think he just needs to figure out relieving a little bit more at the major league level, and I think his stuff will play pretty well at the major league level. Uh, dylan file another guy could make a few appearances although i don't really think he will to be honest jake cousins he is indeed the cousin of kirk cousins um so if you were wondering um that was a very confusing sentence they signed him as a minor league free agent uh he won't make the team but he could yeah he could make a few appearances right handed pitcher tall lanky blaine hardy lefty with, with the tigers for a number of years he's still on the men from tommy john surgery i believe so He'll probably kind of rehab a little bit at the alternate training site and then could make a, a few appearances at the major league level. He's had some success. I think ERA in the mid to upper threes is a left-handed reliever with the Tigers. Hopi Milner is a lefty who pitched pretty well in camp. He's seen some big league time with the Phillies and Rays. Uh, very skinny side armor lefty, like I had mentioned, and could be a, an important guy to have later down the stretch when you need to get some left-handers out, even with the three batter minimum rule ethan small i don't think he'll get called up but one of their best pitching prospects and he really impressed in camp also more of a starter still at this point but outside chance if he really shoots up this year in terms of his performance and going through the ladder of the minor leagues could make the majors as a starter and then just a few depth arms that i'd say there's a chance we see them but it's unlikely thomas jenkins right-handed pitcher Miguel Sanchez, another right-handed pitcher, and Quinton Torres-Costa, Hawaiian left-handed pitcher. Brewers do have a number of Hawaiians, actually, in their organization. Of course, Colton Wong, um, but Quinton Torres-Costa. They also did have Jordan Yamamoto, who is from there, and a number of other ones. Um, But he is a left-handed reliever who's performed pretty well in the minor leagues so far. So it's looking like the Brewers' bullpen is uh, shaping up a little bit more now that we have a little bit more clarity, getting more towards the season. Uh, Josh Hader, of course, will make the team. Devin Williams, Brent Suter, Eric Yardley. Uh, Those are the locks, I would say. Um, And then beyond that, nothing really set. Josh Lindblom, I I guess he is locked in there, even though I think he'll probably be starting at some point, even in April already. So that's five guys. They probably will start with eight. And those last three spots will be occupied by some combination, I think, of Justin Topa, Drew Rasmussen, J.P. FireEyeson, Ray Black, maybe Angel Perdomo or Phil Bickford, uh, or maybe even later on into April, but they won't make the opening day roster. So I'd say it'll probably be Topa, Rasmussen, and FireEyeson, and they'll stash Black on the injured list, but they also could option Topa. Uh, I think Rasmussen will make the team. I think Fire Eisen will, um, and I think they'll try to keep Black in some way. So I think that's probably how the Brewers will line up their bullpen. Um, but that's all we have for today's episode. A little bit of a longer one, but opening day coming up. I'm very excited for that. I mean, I feel like it's been so long since we've had Brewers baseball. Uh, last time was when they lost in that two out of three, two out of three. Um, two out of three postseason series against the Dodgers that was when uh Suter didn't pitch very well and Suter didn't pitch very well of course and um thankfully he's uh he's moved on from that Uh, Woodruff did pitch actually really well in that series but they were really shorthanded Brewers had but Burns injured Anderson I think was injured Devin Williams was injured Uh, they had a lot of guys that were hurt at the time uh, so that w- that didn't go too well, but I think they have a better roster now than they did, especially after the additions of Wong and JVJ. Um, and then uh, we will have an episode coming out this week. Be sure to uh, be on the lookout for our opening day preview. Look at the team in kind of a bird's eye view, and then uh, also looking at the division. I mean, how do other teams stack up? Seems like it, most people are saying it's the Cardinals division to lose, but I would almost say it's the Brewers division to lose. So hear about uh, maybe why. We might think that uh, i think the birds have a better roster than most people think um, and then do the cubs and reds factor into the division race i think that's really a possibility especially reds have very good pitching cubs still have that core of bias bryant rizzo uh, so those are some still some intriguing teams and then the pirates are not very intriguing uh, they would be uh, around the draft time see maybe they'll draft jack lighter who's still in the national spotlight uh, thrown 16 straight no-hit innings, including a nine-inning no-hitter. Uh, I think that was what, two weeks ago. No, that that was last weekend. And then seven no-hit innings on Friday. He's been amazing, but he might go number one overall to the Pirates. Uh, but anyways, all that to say, we will talk about the NL Central and a pretty in-depth preview of the Brewers and their roster and uh, how they might fare this year. Uh, I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for opening day again Thursday. 1 p.m. against the Twins and we'll be back after that opening day preview to uh, analyze how the Brewers did against the Twins and how the team looks so far in spring training. So thanks for listening and be sure to keep up with our content. Really excited as we get into the season to introduce some more content and a little bit more exciting because everyone wants more baseball in their lives, myself included. Uh, So thanks for listening and as always, Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram.